0: You're listening to Feed, Play, Love, a podcast that's all about supporting parents as they bring up children. We've got experts and advice to help you through the more challenging bits of parenting. I'm Siobhan Hunt. Jamila Rizvi is better known for her work championing women and weighing in on politics, but during the COVID pandemic, she's turned her attention to the little heroes that Jamila says have gone largely unsung. Her book, I'm a Hero Too, was written in part to help her own son, Rafi, understand the confusing changes that the pandemic brought to his world. Hi, Jamila, how are you? I'm so well. Thanks for having me, Siobhan. It's a pleasure. Now, what did that first conversation with Rafi look like when you were trying to explain what was happening?
1: I think it looked pretty fumbled, to be honest. I had this then four year old who was being told, you can't go to kinder anymore, you're not starting Auskick like we promised and we had been counting down to Kick for a very long time. <laughs>
0: you can't go to ballet,
1: you can't go to swimming, you can't touch the kids when you play in the street, you have to stay on your bikes and stay away from each other. And it was just like his whole little world had been turned upside down and, of course, all our worlds had been turned upside down, but at least as adults we have a sense of understanding. But for little kids very hard to convey what's going on and I I went searching for resources and material to help me and all I could find was all these YouTube videos of spiky green balls with angry faces (laughs) and I was like no 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 that's not what I'm that's not what I'm going for
0: um so I, I sort of decided I had to have a go at writing something for him. Before we get to the book when you had that conversation because I'm sure lots of parents can relate like in your mind you think you've got it sorted and you can explain it clearly and it's very straightforward um, and then you sit down and you start talking to them and all of a sudden you're speaking gobbledygook and you think how are they going to understand any of this so I think we get that I mean did he take much of it in did he seem to kind of connect with what you were saying
1: I think he took very little of the very basic science I was explaining in and we, I think any parent knows that with little people, you don't have one conversation, you have an ongoing series of conversations. You don't explain something and they go, ah, good, I've got that now, thank you. You know, you get asked again the next day, why can't we go to footy? And you're like, well, I I told you already. And then the next day they say, but why can't I go to footy? Um, so we we've sort of been having the conversation again and again and I think I've been refining my language as I had it and part of the reason I wrote the book was I wanted to create a little story that would help Ruffy not just with the kind of practical reality of what was going on and how a virus spreads but I wanted to let him grieve and that's a that's a really big word for small people but that's what he was doing you know he was losing what the life he had lived until then looked like and you know we live in melbourne and i have a series of chronic illnesses so we were extra cautious so he ended up missing out on kinder for almost 7 months before he went back so his little world looked very very different he's an only child he was suddenly only hanging out with with adults and i wanted to let him be sad that that had happened, and to to have space to explore that sadness. and I mean, that sadness to be okay. I didn't want that. Come on, cheer up, buck up attitude. I wanted him to experience that and have it acknowledged, but then as quickly as possible, move him to a place of feeling powerful again. And if there's anything I learned when I was sick myself, was that kids feel powerful when they've got a job to do. Same as adults. Same as adults. You know, mm. you feel powerful when you can do something. When you can. Um, help out a friend who's unwell, or when you can uh, look after someone else's kids, or whatever it might be. And he wanted things to do that made him feel powerful against the virus.
0: I think it's really interesting because I'm always struck by how different it's been in different parts of Australia during the pandemic. Mm. And I think that parents in other parts of the country who haven't been in Melbourne or Victoria where the lockdowns were really strict, we've had a different experience with our children. They haven't had as many restrictions. Um, You just kind of touched on how drastically his life changed. How did you see that impact play out in his behaviour? Yeah, that's really interesting. I um, have been watching him. I
1: think he's become more confident if anything I think he's got a real sense of because he was really only seeing on the regular my husband and I he very much started to see himself as the same as us like we're all (laughs) all you know and there's had to be a a little bit of kind of re-education of us (laughs) explaining no no we are the parents and we (laughs) make the decisions Um, um, but I also uh, saw him really desperately craving social interaction. Like I'd say I'm going to go to the coffee shop, which would be our one outing for the day, and he'd be like, please can I come, please can I come, because he wanted to say hello to the Brewsters. Um, and I saw him absolutely light up when he did have interaction with another, another child, and I saw him become quite um, independent, really, very good at playing on his own, very good at going into these make-believe worlds of his own. All of which are wonderful things, right? These are all good things in his development, but they're kind of tinged with sadness because of how they happened.
0: Yeah. The other thing about Rafi's experience would be that conversation, that first conversation you had with Rafi about the pandemic, wouldn't have been the first major event to happen in his little life because. You, as you mentioned, have had some chronic illnesses, still have, obviously, and you've undergone two brain surgeries. Um, did you have to have conversations with him around that as well?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, we absolutely have. And I, to be honest, all credit to my husband, who had a lot of those more difficult conversations, particularly early on. Um Ruffy would have been two and a half when I was first diagnosed with a brain tumour and we uh, went and saw a child psychologist actually to talk to them about how to talk to him um, and how to sort of support him through that process. And one of the pieces of advice they gave us that I found so useful was to use the name. They said, don't say mum's a bit sick because then the next time Ruffy gets tonsillitis and you say, oh, you're just a bit sick, he's going to think he needs a brain surgery. <laughs> like you, you've, got to, you've got to actually give him some perspective, even though everything in your brain wants to downplay the seriousness. You've got to yeah. give him a word that's different to other experiences. So we talked about what a brain tumour was. We didn't talk about it in the, in the terrifying sense we did with other adults, but we talked about something in mummy's brain that wasn't supposed to be there and that the doctors were going to get it out of there. And then mummy would feel a bit tired and sick for a while while she got better. And that what he had to do, again, turning to what kids had to do, that his job was to give lots of kisses and cuddles, to play quietly when he could, and to be really
0: gentle. And Um, um, he didn't follow all of those instructions? No, he
1: didn't. He (laughs) threw a Spider-Man doll into my nose uh, four weeks after I had brain surgery through my nose. So
0: no, he didn't really follow it, but he tried, (laughs) definitely tried. Bless him. And that will come up at his 21st, I'm sure. Oh, definitely. I'm really intrigued with that way you were trying to protect him? Because I imagine at the time, you would have been terrified, uncertain, unsettled, discombobulated yourself, but also with a fierce desire to protect Rafi, not to scare him, to keep him on even keel. How did you manage those two um competing emotions and maybe not they don 't even have to be competing there's just two very difficult things to manage when you yourself are going through such a huge experience yeah
1: and th- to be honest i think um certainly before my first brain surgery, I was really scared and I, I was um i didn't cope very well i don 't think anyone copes very well in that scenario, but I think I've coped particularly poorly and um My husband really stepped into the breach. I I would have said he was by far the majority parent during that period. He did Mm -hmm. what I couldn't. And then during recovery, friends and family really stepped in as well. Um, After both my brain surgeries, I had recoveries of upwards of six weeks and up to 12 weeks where I wasn't allowed to be alone. Mm -hmm. Um, And we had friends and family move in with us week after week. We had them on rotation and they were helping with childcare, helping with cooking and cleaning, talking to me. And look, as as awful as that experience was, similarly as awful as COVID has been for so many families, there is always those little silver linings. And I think as a result, Ruffy has a lot more grown-ups in his life who he trusts and who he depends on. Um, I think he feels very close to grandparents, to aunts and uncles, Um, and to just friends of ours. Um, He's very close to our neighbours. He's very relaxed by the idea of being picked up by one of them suddenly after school if I have to go to hospital like I did a couple of days ago. You know, he was just delighted. He's like, oh, I'm going to someone's house and I get an ice cream. This is thrilling. Um, But, yeah, I think um, we've tried to keep it positive. We've never talked about, you know, the the worst possible outcomes because he's not old enough for that, I don't think but we've, we've tried to be as honest with him as we can. And as he gets older, you know, he's five now, and he's got more questions. He wants to know where in my head a brain tumour was and if it's going to come back and how you how you cut out a brain tumour. And he's not scared by it. He's quite frank um, about it, I would say. And I, I think that'll hold him in good stead into the future. He's not scared of illness. And a lot of adults are. A lot of adults, when a friend gets sick, they run away from it because it's just a bit too hard my kid's not going to be that kid. When he's a grown up, he's going to lean into people when they're sick
0: or unwell and he's going to want to help. Yeah. Um, The other interesting thing about that experience um, seems to be, it seems to me from the outside looking in Jamila, that you are a real doer, that you're always on a project and that I can imagine with parenting, you would be as involved with your child rearing as you are with your career. And I think Definitely for women and for mums in particular, it can be really hard to let go of those things. Even when you're very sick, it can be really hard to just stop and let other people help. How did you find that experience as wonderful as it is to have your community support you? Was it difficult for you to step back and say, I can't do this right now? I just have to look after myself.
1: Yeah, you know early on I think it wasn't because it felt so automatic, but there were certainly points as it developed and I saw that the consequences of having stepped back, I found that really confronting. And it didn't need to be confronting. If anything I think it was a good thing. I remember a few months after my first brain surgery, uh Ruffy had a he's always been a pretty good sleeper, knock on wood. And um, (laughs) he woke up in the middle of the night scared and he was yelling out, daddy, daddy, daddy. And his dad went in, gave him a cuddle and came back again. And then the next night happened again. He said, daddy, daddy, daddy. And I went in because I said my turn. And he said, oh, I don't want you. I want daddy. And Mm. oh, God. (laughs) It's just not nice. And I mean, who wants to be the one who's called for in the middle of the night? You want to sleep, right? But it was that realisation for me of I'd, I'd spent a few months being either unwell or very scared about what was happening to me and not being myself and not being there for him and that that had consequences. Now, they weren't bad consequences. Our relationship got back to normal very, very quickly. You know, it was fine (laughs) and it's absolutely fine. It was a period of life. It was a period of life. But at that time, that was really hard to deal with. And I think mixed up in that were a whole lot of, Um, socialised ideas about mum being the the majority carer and that I was being cast aside and I wasn't needed. And none of that was true. Kids come back and kids value their parents as individuals, not just as carers, but as individuals. You know, I think there are things I give my son that my husband doesn't give him in the same way and vice versa. And that's a a good thing. And I'd like to think there are other adults in his life who also bring qualities that we can't or we don't in the same degree.
0: Yeah. So after those two big things happening in your life, how are you both now?
1: We are pretty good. Um, I think as a family, we've come through some really tough times together, but we seem to be I'm doing a lot of knocking on wood, we seem to be (laughs) through the worst parts of my illness, the most dangerous parts, and we're now kind of dealing with the disabilities and the chronic illness that are a result, which is a new set of challenges but a less immediately daunting set of challenges. And uh, my kid's happy. You know, I can't tell you that first day that parks opened again in Victoria, (laughs) like it, it sounds so small, but the the like the looks on the faces of those kids and we went in the middle of the, like, drizzly, gross Melbourne windy September (laughs) back to the park and the kids at that park, there were so many of them and they were so happy. Um, And I think whether you're in one of the luckier parts of the country, whether you're in Melbourne, whether you're someone who's got a kid and you have been an essential worker so it's been a more complex time for you, if you're someone who's been sick during this pandemic, you know, I think kids are going to need to process it. No matter how big an impact it had on them or small, they're still going to need to process it because even a couple of months in their little lives is a really big period comparatively. Mm. You know, two months of lockdown is a big period for a little person. And I I think with this book that I've written, I, I really hope it helps little kids process in a positive way and see themselves as victors in this circumstance because we've had so many people come to the fore as heroes during this period but little people have given up a lot and they've given up a lot they've been asked had a lot asked of them while parents have been nervous and cranky and worried and you know they they've risen to the challenge certainly from my vantage point looking at all those kids in the street that I live in each one of them has been a little hero through all of this
0: it is a beautiful book and I have to mention as well the illustrations are gorgeous. Oh, aren't they? I tell you what, Ill- get a book illustrated by someone who knows what they're
1: doing. I, <laughs> I'm getting a lot of credit for things I did not do. Um, Peter Chong is um, a new uh, children's illustrator. This is the first children's book he's done and as soon as I saw his drawings I just I fell in love. He, he brought Artie to life in the most spectacular way.
0: Yeah, it's gorgeous. Well, Jamila, thank you so much for your time today. Thanks, Siobhan. That's author Jamila Rizvi, and you can find her book, I'm a Hero Too, in the notes of this episode. Feed, Play, Love is a babyology podcast produced and presented by me, Siobhan Hunt. I'd love to hear from you, so if you'd like to get in touch, email me at feedplaylove at See you next time.